0: I've got to completely avoid saying the names of all those places. Just let you say them, and I'll do it. Thanks. We've had a week where we've seen the the commemorations of the D-Day 75 years ago. And it gathered people together from many nations. Veterans from allied forces that had been in Normandy. And this time, some sailed on special ships. While aircraft flew over. And we even saw two men in their 90s parachuting into the fields. I don't know whether... Someone that's had their birthday this week and is now in their 90s, well into their 90s, you know, would fancy parachuting. But those brave men did. Days not of celebration, however, but days of remembering, of sharing stories, Thinking of those no longer able to gather, including the ten thousand casualties who didn 't make it through even the first day of the invasion, this year, people gather where they once fought, and throughout the history of humanity, people have gathered together to share their story and to remember things that have happened. People have gathered to share common experience. And sometimes it is experience of things that have happened in the past and sometimes it is a common experience As they look to the future. And as I say, this has happened throughout time. We see it right back in Genesis 11. The builders of the Tower of Babel are gathering together. They're gathering together with a common purpose. But their common purpose is not good. Their common purpose is to egg each other onwards, to do more and more things in their own strength, to become in some way like God. And then we hear how God scatters them with different language. We might think of more positive examples of human endeavor, of people coming together to do something great. Maybe Olympic runners being on a track at the same time, seeing New records made. The competitiveness driving each other forwards to the limit of human endeavour. We meet together as a church because we have a common purpose. Not to be competitive with one another. Not to see if we can be greater Than God, but we come to worship God with our heart and our voices, with our words and our actions. We come to discover God's word for us today, but we also, I hope, come because we want to see something new of God's kingdom. We want to see God's kingdom breaking through. And so we also lift to him our prayers for what is his world, but which is a poor reflection of his way. It is a world where there is sickness of physical and mental health, a sickness where we are too competitive with each other, And too competitive between nations. Where lands hold each other with contempt. Where there is warfare and confusion as to the way ahead. The apostles met in Jerusalem for much the same reason as we meet. To glorify God. To express their desire For more of God's presence to be seen on earth. For something of what they had known when Jesus had been among them to return to them as Jesus had promised to them, as the prophets had promised to them, that the Holy Spirit would be there. And their prayers are answered. And the Holy Spirit comes giving birth to the church among the apostles. And the Spirit comes not as he had been in the Old Testament where it would enable an individual to do an individual role or a task. But the Spirit now comes to the whole church. Coming into the heart of every single believer... Coming to dwell within all of us. To empower us. To enable us to be one church with a common mind. To serve God's holy will. And what we see in the passage after the the sound that was like a rushing wind. And the vision of tongues of fire that appeared to touch them but. Did not burn. What we see is that they speak. And they speak words that the Spirit gives them. And the Spirit equips them to pray in a new way that they'd not done before. The Holy Spirit can work in us too, to pray as we've not prayed before. The Spirit can enable us to speak, perhaps, in languages that we're unfamiliar with, maybe a spiritual language or a world language. But also the Spirit can give us the words to pray in our own language, which I imagine for most of us is English, albeit with one or two different dialects (laughs) among us. When we're not sure of what words to say in prayer, we can trust that the Spirit will actually say the prayer for us. That we might open our mouth and something of prayer will come out. Maybe we might say the first line of a prayer and what follows onwards will be of God's leading. Maybe we don't even think of that first line and God will move us straight from the heart. Giving us words that we didn't imagine or really think about putting together. But out of our mouths we pray. This requires us trusting in God. If we think to ourselves that we don't have a word, that we are unable to pray, then actually we are going to struggle if we don't allow the Spirit to move, then it becomes a self-fulfilling thing that our prayer won't come. But if we open ourselves to the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit can work through us. And we've just been singing that the Spirit will come. That the Spirit will come and have his way among us. The Spirit of God will breathe into us, giving us a heart that burns with love, with God's love. And that will equip us in our prayer and in our life to be God's people. The apostles in prayer. We were seeking the Holy Spirit. They knew the Spirit would come at some point. They didn't know the time. So perhaps they were praying for that anointing of Spirit as they met there in that room. But we don't have any inkling that they'd set out to pray that they might speak to disciples from other nations that day. But that's where the Spirit leads them. The Spirit gives them an introduction to other people, enabling them to spread the gospel, to proclaim God's love, God's hope that is discovered in Jesus Christ our Savior. That opening comes partly that they are praying in languages understood by the visitors, but also by the sound level of what's going on. Something draws those people. And it's not simply the sound of the rushing wind, but the sound of their prayers, their speaking. It is the sound level they're making. Their prayers are not quiet murmurings, which would not be heard by the person they are sat next to, but they raise some noise. They are being heard. The prayers cause disturbance in the community, it causes something to happen. It might seem strange to us that the action of the spirit caused disturbance. God continually brings order out of chaos. We see that in the Genesis account of creation, don't we? God spoke into the darkness, created the light in our first song that we sang this morning out of darkness he brings light out of chaos he brings order we see it in the way Jesus interacted with people how when people were struggling he calmed them and led them forward in a new way when the fishermen are out in the boat along with Jesus and Jesus is resting and those disciples so sure of the water normally are getting a bit worried, Jesus wakes up and he says be still and the sea is calmed he brings order out of care. and he does that in our lives too when we're afraid, when we're worried when we don't know quite what the next step is he calms our fears when we turn to him, it is the spirit's action, the path of the spirit brings peace to the world of chaos. But sometimes that bringing of peace can be thought of as pushing aside the ways of the world to achieve it. We think we have things ordered but is it ordered in the way that God intends? The spirit comes and pushes it aside. Our preset plans, our detailed diaries are disrupted. We might have a set agenda of what we expect to be the direction of life. The future of the church perhaps. Perhaps. But when the spirit is moving, then the church and its people have to be flexible and do what God wants. And see how God moves it. The outcome of the spirit acting on the apostles on the day of Pentecost. Was that he came into Jerusalem. The spirit moved in the city. And others heard the apostles' voices. And it didn't matter what part of the Mediterranean or beyond they came from. How far east, how far west, whether they were from the north or the south. They heard something in their tongue. These travelers had come to the city to probably mark the festival of weeks that happens at Pentecost, seven weeks on from Passover. They celebrate the harvest of fresh fruits. And that means thinking of the law that was given to Moses. And the law before that, which came through Noah. These pilgrims to the Holy Land are people seeking God. Seeking God's direction. A pilgrim is not someone simply on a journey to a place that they consider holy. They go there for a purpose. They are faithful people who want to grow in God by discovering something new. A fresh encounter with the Almighty. I'm not sure that these pilgrims in Jerusalem quite expected their fresh encounter to be meeting with the disciples and being moved by the Holy Spirit. And so as a result, they become amazed and perplexed. They didn't know what was happening. Yet, this is what they sought God's presence among them, as promised by Jesus, as promised by the prophets hundreds of years earlier. God used the time of diaspora gathering together for the festival. To bring his Holy Spirit, to speak through the apostles to faithful people who would return to their various homelands, spreading the good news of Christ. They would tell how the law is fulfilled in Jesus, the Son of God, how Jesus had been born, had died had risen and ascended and now how he had sent his Holy Spirit. And that concept of gathering of hearing and then going with the news of what God has done should be familiar to us. Because it's what we're here for today. Not simply because it's Pentecost, but every Sunday in the morning and usually the evening, but of course we're down at the King's Church tonight. Every time we meet as a prayer meeting, we travel from a distance to a place We gather with others to discover something new of God. In a time of prayer we encounter God and equipped by him, by his Holy Spirit, we return to our homes taking the good news to our neighbours. That's the story of every Sunday. Or at least it should be. Do we sometimes leave an element of that story out? Do we gather expecting to have an encounter with God? Do we gather ready to receive? Do we open ourselves... To the Lord Almighty in our prayers, in our exploring of the Word. And when we go home, the Spirit may have touched us, but do we use that anointing to take the Word out beyond? And to see the kingdom grow. Do we take it back to our neighbours? What makes a difference in the world. Is whether the gatherings change how we live. When it's the Olympics or the World Cup. And we see that competition. And the driving of each other onwards. Do we remember the sense of sportsmanship afterwards? Will the world leaders who stood next to each other on beaches of Normandy, where thousand upon thousand young lives were lost, when they travel back to their government buildings, to their own parliaments will they remember not only those graves those people that they have met but have hearts which search for, for peace and for goodwill between the nations will they take that home with them seeking a future that is positive And what of us? Will we who share fellowship and sing praise to God in this place spend the rest of the week and the rest of our lives living in a way that speaks of the Almighty One's love and action and how He equips and empowers us To reflect him in the world. That is the story of Pentecost. The spirit coming to us to enable us to worship. To enable us to serve. There may be times that we fail in that. But with God's mercy and God's grace. And with the Spirit's power, we can see the kingdom grow. In Jesus' name, Amen.